I think probably 100% Finnish women could be said that they're feminists, you know? Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophie Alexandra. And this is our feminist episode. Hell fucking yeah. It's about time the bitches are are taking over. (laughs) You guys, Finland was so freaking feminist. How feminist was it, Sophia? I feel like that's setting me up for a joke. You're like, how feminist was it? So feminist that the guys would not help us with our bags. As we mentioned in the last episode. I know you guys are like, why are you so shook by that? But it was just kind of funny watching a tiny woman get (laughs) completely nailed on the head with a bag and watch just men impassively watching her. It was kind of dope. No, it wasn't. We were, that was like the one, that was laughing because it was not dope. It sucked. It's like the one part of the patriarchy that you're like, man, did you, did we have to demolish the whole thing? Like, can't can't you just keep a little couple bricks, man? (laughs) (laughs) Just for the memories, you know? A little rock. (laughs) Keep ladies night. (laughs) Just the good stuff. You know, just a couple things. Yeah. That's how we knew, though, like immediately that we were in a totally different place with different norms. And what we heard from our interviewees is that women don't want to be treated unfairly, right? They welcome, they want to pay half. They don't want to feel like they owe you anything. Yeah, it seems like it's not at all that important for them to have doors open for them or bags put on shelves, things like that. They just do not value that at all. And uh, it's interesting to be in a place where feminism extends to such a degree that when we went to the design museum, Courtney. Oh, this was my favorite thing. So you guys, there was this on the wall this representation it's a timeline it was a timeline it started further back but basically starting in 1940 which is very interesting in terms of what we're going to explore as this episode unfolds but starting around 1940 there was really this increase in the top of the graph was female designers and the bottom was male and it started out with like the men doing majority of uh, the work of the design right yeah. yeah and then a lot of the important innovations starting in 1940 there was this huge swell of Influx. female designers that were like creating some really important shit we'll share the timeline on our instagram but when you could see it in two colors on a huge wall you were like whoa The women here have been just like being boss bitches for like 60 plus years. A really long time. Yeah. There are some statistics that we like blew our mind. Like for example, uh, in the last parliamentary elections, um, basically 41 and a half percent of their uh, elected MPs were women. Can you imagine that statistic for our uh, government, for like Congress, for Senate? We're doing better, but we're not there yet. They've also had a cabinet where um, in in 2007, for the first time, there were more women than men. Yeah, that's incredible. More women than men. That's never happened. For us, it's like we can name the women. We're like Hillary Clinton, Janet Reno, (laughs) Condoleezza Rice. Like, (laughs) I would love to not be able to name all the women. Their traditions are just weird and their history is so interesting because women were allowed to vote in Finland uh, in the Swedish Age of Liberty, which was 1718 to 1772. How crazy early is that? 
Whoa. Sweden is also supposed, I can't wait until we go to Sweden, but also supposed to be like hella feminist. Yeah. Yeah. What is interesting, and you're going to hear more about this too, is like Finland has been under the rule of Sweden. They were under the rule of Russia for a while, and they more recently gained their independence. So that's had an interesting impact on the way uh, the culture has developed as well. And why they're so uniquely feminist. And that is what we decided to explore in this episode. So yeah, we basically, we're going to kick it off. But you guys, we are so excited to take you on this journey. And I guess our first question is like, how did they get this way? In Finland, women are very independent. Yeah. Women are not in the position that they think that they have to get married and they have to get a man, you know. This is a country and nation of independent women. I mean, like, we have the history of of being in the war with Russia, and that's not that far away. That was, like, in the 40s, you know, in the beginning of 40s. Mm-hmm. And that meant that, you know, an entire proportion of the male population went to war. So women were left behind at homes, you know, like you had to raise the kids, you have to take care of your living, you know, your husband was gone for three years, for five years in the army, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them never returned, or they returned and they were either physically or mentally not able to function anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that has been uh, the trigger for Finnish women who are uh, my aged person's mothers or grandmothers who have grandmothers most likely so we are also kind of like a new nation in a way you know like there is not the 2000 year long history like China has for example you know so it's like we didn't have the traditional gender roles in the beginning as strong as you know like in some other cultures so why are you guys growing up to be so strong and independent my grandma would probably say war. <laughs> We've heard that. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah, People bring up World like, War II as, uh, as something that really shaped the country. Yeah, it might, like, I don't know. I, I I wasn't in there then, but but I've heard out of my therapist that it kind of, like, um, shift the trauma <laughs> to the next yeah, generation. Is... So they had to be here and do the shit what man weren't here to do so we've learned a lot about the feminism and equality here and how do you think that affects romance because it does seem to play out a little bit differently well the cliche is for example if you go and have a date here with a man you pay your own bill Uh if the man suggests he pays the bill you're like you think i can't afford it Mm. you know it's, it's almost like insulting in a way like he wants to pay it. So it's like, do you want to buy me? I have my mm. own money. You know, like it's... it's So fascinating. It's, it's very opposite to many other cultures. And it's, it's... We don't have the culture of women have to rely on men and their income. Because you can make your own income. I, you can have a family. You can be a single mother. You have the supportive system from the state. We have daycare. We have free schooling, you know, like we have free daycare. It's so interesting because um, until I was 11, I grew up in Ukraine. Yeah. And 
we also have huge uh, World War Two like history. Yeah. So many of our men died. The women raised the children and did the war effort yeah. and like the same thing. But I feel like Russia somehow managed to keep the thing of women are independent and can do everything and also traditional gender roles. Mm, exactly. So it's interesting to me that, you know, we keep learning that uh, Finland is kind of a hybrid between, you know, maybe Sweden and Russia and Russia is what's looked down on and Sweden is what's looked well upon and it's interesting to me that it's looked down on such a way that's resulted in a better society which brings us to the world famous maternity package you guys we definitely heard of this before our trip and i honestly think it deserves to make headlines like coming from a country that gives the middle finger to women and healthcare and reproductive rights this concept was foreign and exciting yeah we had to know more Yeah, well, in Finland, I mean, like, if we start from the very basic, it's called äitiyspakkaus. It's it's like uh, every mother gets it. It's not, you know, dependent on how much money you make or what's your financial background. Every single mother, you can either choose to take this package, which has uh, everything that you need for the newborn baby, you know, or you can take it in cash. But actually, the cash value, I think it, it's it's like... 400 US dollars, but the value of the package is way beyond like 1000 US dollars. That's so amazing. Everyone takes the package unless you have kids in a row, you know, so then you don't, don't need three of them. And, and then you have, you know, like a full paid maternity leave for like nine months in a way. And after that, you can choose whether you go back to full-time work, but it kind of like gives you the possibility to really stay at home and, and be with your kids in a way. And women aren't discriminated against or, you know, punished for taking advantage of the time off. Everyone takes it. Everyone takes Everyone it. Takes it. It's That's not so like awesome. you, it's not like it's existing, but nobody uses it. Everyone takes it. I mean, like, I mean, like, of course, obviously, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, and you have your own business, but you still take it. But nobody can like say that you cannot work. Uh-huh. But for example, even in big companies, you know, you, you take it. That's it's almost like I'm not saying mandatory, but, you know, like it's everyone, like obvious. It's obvious. Everyone takes it. And then you can choose whether you stay at home as supported by the the state until the kid is like three years old or then you have almost free daycare then it's like um the pay or the fee for the daycare depends on how much income you make but even with the highest level you know like it's really low and then and you can roll your kid to the the kindergarten when they are like eight months old that's amazing. That's honestly the most feminist thing I've ever heard. That's so that's amazing. It, it actually enables women to work mm-hmm. because then you have a place where your kids are taken care of by professional people who have a university degree in in teaching and you know like um, pedagogic like. Uh, What's it like to live in a place where the government gives a shit about women? (laughs) (laughs) It looks great from the outside. (laughs) I feel like we have our faces pressed against one of these big windows and inside it's the Finnish women living their best lives. (laughs) And we're like, please let us in. But I think I think it all starts there because I mean, like we worked a lot with 
Japan, for example, because we've done so much business with there and there is no system in Japan like we have, for example, you know, like it's pretty much you make the choice in between of your career or the kids. If mm-hmm. if you decide to have kids, then it's like you stay at home because there is no structure in the society to able you to work. And and here you have it. Mm-hmm. It's It's really... People here are saying like, okay, there is so much things that can be done better. And of course you always have to, you know, like see what can be done better. Classic finish. But this is like, this is really a structure that enables women to work and be in the work life. Because that's the first question. Like if you have kids, who's going to take care of the kid while I'm working? Or is it worthwhile working if the daycare is so expensive that you pay what you earn to the babysitter? Mm -hmm. But here, because it's so much, you know, like state and and city subsidized, so everyone affords it. And if you are like a single mother, then you are in this class that you don't have to pay for it. Wow, this blew our minds. I mean, can you imagine if our government thought that way? Yeah, I think it's so frightening for like young women in America who are career minded to get pregnant because of the obvious cost, you know, of healthcare, of childhood care, of losing their spot at work. But it actually doesn't seem that scary when you think about doing it in Finland. No, it seems doable, actually. Yeah, it does. And there's just basic things like right now in Finland, you get a 263-day parental leave, and it's illegal to discriminate against women in the workplace. So we talked to a very successful shoe designer and single mother, Mina Parika. She's an absolute doll. Look up her shoes, buy them. And she gave us kind of an interesting perspective. She said the benefits don't necessarily work out as well for everyone. Yeah, even though they seem completely shiny to us. So it's interesting that you say you would leave Helsinki because Hmm. we've heard amazing things about like the benefits that you get when you have a child. But I have my own business, so I don't get anything really. Oh, really? Oh, is that how it works? When you have your own business, you need to be kind of saving money to the government for your pension. And if you don't do that, you're outside outside the system. Oh. So oh. You, then you don't get like the leave, like maternity leave package. That's and not things fair. like that. Yeah. Because I was very curious when I was on maternity leave because I wanted to know like do any dads really stay at home because here we're kind of behind Sweden in the sense that uh, I know many Swedish friends have had their fathers uh, bringing them up and staying for the majority part. But here it's still only about 10% of men staying home for the longer period. And then I mean, then here we come to the biggest issue of, I mean, the biggest challenge of gender equality in this country is that uh, a man's euro is not a woman's euro at the moment. So we did kind of um, made the decision of him uh, going back to work and like me staying home. he would make more money? Exactly. Even if you would have the exact same kind of uh, status, I mean, the same kind of position, it just, it's such a big thing here because everything else is like in theory equal so that is like even though it might be that we're closing on on the gap it just feels like um 
it's silly that we still have it because then it's kind of like contradicting to everything else we say. WTF Finland, you haven't even closed the wage gap yet? Are you kidding me? Oh, so not everything is solved in your perfect paradise of a country? God, we're so jealous of them. I know. A minus. Fix it immediately, please. And you know they are. They're working so hard to I know. fix They're it. They're like, we got one negative review. They're this like, this is, is over. <laughs> So here's the deal, guys. Just to put it in perspective, you guys hear people cite the stat in the U.S. that women make about 78 cents to a man's dollar. Well, in Finland, that stat looks more like women make 84 cents to a man's euro. So they're closer, right? Yeah, they are much closer than we are. And it bugs them so much that they haven't solved it yet. They have things in place that they're working on to improve it. Like, for example, if you're an employer in Finland and you employ at least 30 people, uh, you have to have a gender equality plan that includes a women's and men's pay comparison. Oh, you got to put it on paper? Yeah, that shit is transparent. You can see if you're paying your men more than the women for the same job. Oh, sounds like they got a little bit of a plan. So wage gap, not totally solved. It's a work in progress. But everything else in terms of feminism is pretty dope in Finland. So in trying to figure out, like, how is this happening, we started noticing an interesting pattern in our interviews. Yeah, we started seeing a trend of people bringing up their grandmas and their sisters as playing, like, a really big role in their lives. Yeah, at pivotal moments. Yes. And we realized, wait a minute. This is no coincidence. Our summer house is my grandma's um, childhood's home. And I think that is quite like usual mm -hmm. um, here. And, and all these like summers overall spent with your grandparents is quite usual. And this sister thing also is quite this kind of, we have this, what do you maybe see in adverts if you think about it like girls braiding each other's hair we have this very like mm. um how would i say this like female connection here is very like strong yes. and you'll see them you'll out see knitting circles at od and yes. stuff it's women so getting a buffet together and it seems like very loving in a platonic friendship kind of way and not at all you know, women get a bad rap about like we're catty with each other or whatever. But when I look or at those competitive or something, yeah, when I look at those women hanging out, which we've seen a ton of Everywhere. since we've been in town, yeah. it looks like very loving and friendly. And there's not an ounce of that negative stuff. Yeah, and I think that that is like one of the things that um, that is good here because um, how would I say the rival mm -hmm. rivalry between women is totally a thing also here, mm -hmm. and especially where there is so little spots uh. Uh, in the small country like this to kind of compete on so that is totally happening but i think that grandmas and sisters are kind of these people who are not on your age class or mm. on your um competing for the same things in life not the same so, level yes so i think that that is um like overall i think that is a good thing that you have these healthy relationships hopefully healthy relationships to women of other ages and i think that it helps you to kind of like conform this kind of idea of uh not panicking of like when you get older or like seeing that things work out and all these kind of things yeah. 
My mother didn't come from from Helsinki, but she came from about two hours from Helsinki. So for my mother, it was very important for for us daughters to know our roots, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the countryside life. This had to do, of course, when when I talk about like going to the countryside and, and summers. My grandmother was always there because she lived like one kilometer from our summer cottage, mm-hmm. so she was always there. And and all these like these crazy stories. And I. I was a city girl, so I went to to the fields with like this ballerina tutu uh, outfit. They they thought like who what, what who is this crazy child on on the field dressed as a ballerina taking care of the sheep? I have an older sister, yeah, four years old. One sibling, yeah. Were you and her close? We were close, but uh, my sister is a lot like uh, our mother, and I'm personality wise, I think I'm a little bit more. Uh, as our dad was. So, of course, this in our teens meant that we fight a lot. We, mm. we fought a lot, even with, I remember, throwing forks and things like that. <laughs> so really like... Classic sister stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I, I remember going through a phase when I used to say to my mother, I have to be adopted because I have nothing in common <laughs> with you. And yeah, so I think we had a very rough kind of start to our sisterhood, even though I have to say, like, uh, I was very lucky because my sister was four years she is four years older than me but as growing up uh, she always used to take me along to like if if she would go to her friends she was would always take me with her and that is very um, uncommon that you would take your four years younger si- sibling with you to your friends and they would accept me it was always like they knew that there was this package about like if she would come she would bring her sister so we were in that sense we were very uh, tight I have a sister. And you she... have a sister, older or younger? Older, 14 years older. Oh, wow. Oh, exactly. You? Well, she has really be- like been like a second mother to me because of the age difference. Um, of course, not now, but when I was a child, like she was like taking me to to a lot of places where my parents would have never taken me and we traveled together and stuff. So she was like teaching me a lot of things That's really that sweet. my parents would have never done. So we're hearing about grandmas and sisters being ever-present and having these really close relationships, but they also come in clutch at, like, really key times. Caroline, she told her grandma she was gay before she told anyone else in her family, including her mom, which didn't go over so well. So I called my, my grandmother and... I was talking with her on the phone and I was like, yeah, I relocated. Um, I'm now living in Essex and um, there's a girl. And my grandma was like, yes, I have been thinking you have a lot of these girl friends around. (laughs) I was like, grandma, I didn't even know I was gay until like last week, but thank you. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing this Your might be impossible. Like, <laughs> Did you want to everyone you were gay for yes. the last five years? Yes. You're like, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, why didn't you tell me? Yeah, yeah. but I'm, 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 my mom was um, heartbroken that, first of all, she wasn't the first one to have the discussion with. Oh. Um, 
That's sweet, though. Uh, No. Did you did you know that your grandma like did you feel like that was going to be the most comfortable accepting person to tell? Uh, Yes. Yes. Because she's like um, my mother is my fun older sister. Mm. She's a person of like a lot of fun, a lot of ignorance and very little responsibility. <laughs> so she sounds like the best person to party with. Yes, she is absolutely the <laughs> best per- person to party with and to have like um, a good night and do things with. Um, but my grandmother was has been in my life the person who has been like when I've been in my deepest shits, she's been like, okay, where you at? I'm gonna come and pick you up. Damn, Caroline's grandma sounds awesome. I want her to be my grandma. I know, right? Cool shit. Sounds so cool. Uh, And Crystal uh, had a similar experience, but with his sisters. That's who he came out to first. You want to hear my coming out story really quick? Yeah, Um, we do. I came out to my sisters. The moment I arrived to New York, I wrote my sister's letter and told them I have four sisters. It's like, well, seems like I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) Were they like, we know or no? No, a few of them were like, oh, my God. And then two of them were like, yeah, we knew. Listen, you don't just call your sister when you're gay. (laughs) You call your sister when you want to start a successful business. Oh, hell yeah. And that is why we talked to two sisters, Paola and Pierjo, who have basically worked together for most of their careers. Okay, so I'm Pirjo, and I'm the producer at Ivana Helsinki, which is a pioneer Finnish art fashion film house, a creative so you work with your sister a lot. And how did you guys start this production house? Well, actually, the brand uh, Ivano Helsinki is 21 years old. So we celebrated our 20th anniversary last year. Oh, and um, we just started it by the by the thought that we want to do and create something our own. Because obviously, if, if you work for someone else, you have to follow their rules. You have to follow their design identity. And um, she's the artist. She had a very clear view from the beginning what she wants to do. I have a business background, you know, like with my education. So that was like a natural match. So we started working together. Uh, Have you always as sisters collaborated or done stuff together or did you used to not get along? Has it always been kind of a synchronistic kind of Well, let's put it this way. It's been a synchronistic way of working together. We are very different in personalities, but I think that's also good for the business because you have to have the yin and yang. You have to have the other one saying yes and the other one saying no. And then you find the best solution out of that because if you're only working and hanging around with people who think the same way and are like you are, you don't see the big picture. You miss out a lot of opportunities. Totally. We were just talking about this because we work together. And yeah, that is how you collaborate. Yeah. We fight a lot. We don't spend any time on polite chit chat. (laughs) We say the opinions, whether it's a good idea or not a good idea, quite straight and honest. How did you start collaborating? What was the first thing you and your sister collaborated on? That was way back. It was uh, actually a fashion collection that we did because mm-hmm. we've been doing the, we have the fashion side and, you know, like our brand is quite well known in Japan, for example. We've been doing all kinds of design works and, and you know, like selling the collection to Japan for 19 years. So that's actually our biggest market. But now we've grown from 
just solely being in the fashion and clothing industry so that we do a lot of like all kinds of artistic work, you know, like films. So Mina Parika is another Helsinki fashion staple, and it turns out her sister was influential on her career too. This is amazing. How did you start your shoe journey and how did you wind up with this beautiful store? Well, yeah, it's, it has really been a long journey. It was my teenage dream. As, as the age of 15, I decided that I want to do shoes for the rest of my life. That's so cool. I know. Do you was, remember which shoes inspired you? Uh, my sister actually wrote an article about Andre Fister, this kind of like 80s, 90s uh, shoe designer. And I was like, oh my God, somebody can just think about shoes all day long. <laughs> I totally want to do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you started at 15 and then where, how did you get started as a business? So the, the dream started when I was 15 and then after uh, high school, I moved to the UK to study footwear design at university level. And then I worked for others afterwards for a bit. And then I started my own business when I moved back to Helsinki. And that was already like 14 years ago. How old were you when you started your business? 25. That's incredible. Yeah. Is it common in Finland? Because we've noticed you have a tradition of very strong women here. Is very. it common for entrepreneurs uh, who are women to be young like this when they start their businesses? Or are you an anomaly still? Mm, I think I was quite young to start up such an ambitious project. The thing is, I wanted to become international straight from the beginning. And that is a little bit rare here. Like people might start their business at a young age, but mm -hmm. they don't have the knowledge to go outside straight away. Like it, it's, it stays very the, local. Would you say yeah. your ambition is unusual? Um, and also the, the, the background that I have, like studying abroad, living in different, different countries, it has really uh, made a difference. Mina is legit crushing it. Yeah, she's like a crazy successful and ambitious businesswoman. But it's interesting that she says she's an anomaly, and we actually found evidence of a lot of other young female entrepreneurship in Helsinki. Yeah, I think it might be because if you're just used to being in a feminist atmosphere, you don't notice all the feminist stuff around you. Totally. Okay, so we met Emma. She is a producer, and she also has a side hustle that is a vintage wedding dress rental shop, which we were lucky enough to visit. It was amazing. She gave us champagne. It was so cool. We basically got to get buzzed while trying on these insanely interesting and beautiful vintage wedding dresses. We got married, you guys. We're, Pretty much. We're officially married writing partners. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to um, look at uh, photos of our engagement, uh, you got to peep Instagram because we have some really fun boomerangs and some photos. I'm Emma Lumme, and uh, I'm a producer, like event producer, but I used to produce also TV and some movies. Oh, that's amazing. Cool. And then you also uh, tell us a little bit about the shop that we're in. Yeah, this is something I kind of figured out after I wanted to stop working with one of the event I, I used to work uh, a few years. And then I said, 
to my boyfriend I was dating then that if I would do anything, I would have a wedding, wedding dress shop. And this is actually not a shop, but I'm, I'm renting these dresses because then I kind of started to think that it's very hard to find uh, the real ones and with the, like okay sizes and mm-hmm. and good condition and and then I kind of made my mind that I'm going to rent them. So you rent wedding dresses to women in Helsinki that want like a very unique kind of wedding aesthetic and you're like a go-to vintage wedding dress rental place but it's also that it's like people who are green right who are like recycling and like waste conscious yeah and also it's like it's very practical because we have a very like high apartment prices here and we don't have so much space so and the wedding dress takes a lot of (laughs) space from my from your Kind of, yeah, uh, and you only wear it once, yeah, yeah. so it, it's very smart to rent it. Yeah, I can't believe that that's not common. Did you know you were tapping into something that no one is doing? Yeah, I well, I did a lot of research uh, because I'm a producer <laughs> and <laughs> couldn't make any anything without it. And then, yeah, I knew we have few. Uh, rental pra- places, but it's very new in Finland. It doesn't happen so much as it's. It starts to be quite big in internationally. I think. Okay. Yeah, what sparked it? Because you were like, I know, I need to do this now. Well, I've always liked vintage. Mm-hmm. I just, it's very hard to wear everyday kind of clothes. And also, a few summers ago, I was uh, three of my best friends went uh, get got married. Mm. And I was the maid of honor of two of them. And I think all of them in some some point wanted to have a vintage wedding dress. But we don't have that market in Finland. I'm turning 30 this year. Oh. There's all these Finnish women that have their own businesses that are so young. And I find that so admirable and like inspiring that you guys are just like, okay, this doesn't exist. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I don't know, maybe we have the saturation point kind of like (laughs) early age (laughs) that we think that it's like something is wrong and we have to do something. Yeah, I feel like it's part of being a a Finn is it's very efficient and and always improving. That's the vibe we're getting compared to where we're from. Yeah, this is also like this is Helsinki is still a quite small city. You can like you can feel feel comfortable to test things here and like not you don't have to be scared it's not a big failure if you fail here i guess yeah um even you tried this is like this is not something i i'm thinking i'm making a lot of money i just wanted to try something because someday i want to have my own something more bigger probably yeah (laughs) It's not just business. Finnish feminist values are also reflected in their art. Yeah, like the Nina Hartley documentary Pierho made with her sister Paula. You sent us a a link to a documentary that you guys have been working on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's actually a documentary about Nina Hartley. And Nina Hartley is the iconic 
adult movie star, porn uh-huh. star. She's a super clever woman that my sister actually met when she was living in uh, the States. And uh, she got curious. We actually, uh, we were the editors and establishers for this love magazine, which explored love and sexuality from different perspectives. And, you know, that was way back when my sister was living in New York. And one of the persons uh, we interviewed for the magazine was Nina Hartley. And then my sister Paula got more interested in Nina Hartley and her personality. And she actually made a documentary film about Nina and Nina's life so that she followed Nina's life for eight years. Wow. And Nina, who usually is seen in um, porn movies, you know, my sister wanted to film her in in a beautiful way, Uh you know, like how she's beautiful, beautiful inside and outside because Mm -hmm. she's a woman with... Uh, opinions, attitude, you know, she's actually, um, how do you say that in English? Like uh, uh, the person who helps when you're giving a birth. A doula? Midwife? A midwife, exactly. So she's a midwife from her education. And at the same time, she's an adult, you know, movie star. And she's also a hardcore feminist. And usually the whole idea was to also explore the idea that when we hear somebody's occupation we we make a lot of assumptions we don't know the person yet and we already think we know how they are just by what they do for living you would never think that in the same sentence in the same person she's a midwife she's a feminist and yes she has made her fortune by acting in adult movies you know so it's about like being honestly who you are and what kind of a life you want to live because A lot of the times we listen to others' opinions and we think we should be a certain way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're just living your life so that you please others, you forget your own identity and you forget who you are. And you can't be happy. No. And in the end, you realize that, you know, like I've lived a life that doesn't look like me. That's not really brought me happiness, you know, but it takes a lot of courage to choose the path that is you. And also there's something that's a kind of a beautiful unity and like a circle between two of the things that Nina does, because being a porn star and Uh being a midwife, I feel like we in the society are uh, really dead set on separating sexuality. Yeah. From being a mother, Mm. you know, and from, or helping someone give birth. I think those things for us do not go together. And we work very hard to keep sex workers in the one box of all you are sexual. And then yeah. women who have children or women that do something else that becomes something they're pure. Yeah. They're pure. And mm-hmm. then these women are dirty. So it's, there's something really beautiful about knowing that about Nina. And a lot of the documentary it's been filmed, of course, in us, uh-huh. but a lot of it has been also filmed in Finland. So Nina came here and, you know, like there are, episodes where she's swinging naked in a Finnish forest around the midsummer, you know, you know, some some really beautiful stuff. And then it's not about her work, but it's about her. So there are also a lot of interviews on uh, quotes uh, and talks with people that she has worked with or who have been close to her. And, and also that was the first time that her mother who has now passed away uh, talked about her daughter's career and choice for the career. That's so cool. So my name is Blanche Hartman and Mitzi is my youngest daughter. She would go into the field of nursing and I asked her later why she didn't. And she said, well, you know, Mom, when it came right down to it, I was 
I was afraid to be responsible for somebody's life as a nurse. So there's like beautiful, sensual imagery of Nina. Yeah. Um, and then can you explain some of the voices that contributed to uh, the information about Well, her? for example, there is Ron Jeremy. We all know Ron uh -huh. Jeremy. So because Nina has done a lot of work with Ron Jeremy, you know, like what's what's their relationship and what he talks about Nina. And then there is Nina's mother. And then there is uh, who is by the who was, by the way, a Buddhist monk. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So quite a opposite again you know and then there are Nina's uh, ex-husbands and uh, uh, husband today <laughs> so so people who really know her from this different perspective oh no you should never do something that your partner doesn't want to do that's bad sex you and your partner should decide together what they want to do and then that's good sex and I thought, well, that's good advice. I began seeing that the way she was going about what she was doing, I mean, I've never seen any of her movie, was really about trying to help people. So your sister shot yep. most of it? and uh, All of it. All of it. You can see that it's a female gaze yes like it very yeah. much looks like yeah that's who's shooting it it's interesting how that plays out it's like sexual in a different poetic way. yeah beautiful way yeah sensual way wow aging as a woman seems like totally different in finland <laughs> yeah, it's kind of insane because they honor older women in their culture, right? What? You're not dead after 40? <laughs> after 30 in fucking Los Angeles, right? It just kind of makes sense that respect for older maternal figures and egalitarian society kind of go hand in hand, right? Yeah, and to hear grandmas revered and older women displayed with dignity at the museum makes you realize how absent it is in your own culture. It's crazy. It's so true, right? Because when we went to the Ateneum, which is the Finnish National Museum, um, they had an exhibit called People, and most of the people that at they least showed, half. like at well least over half. half, yeah, were women. Women and, you know, fancy women, uh, women servants, all kinds older of women. Older women, it was incredible. Honestly, the museums were maybe the place that we noticed the feminism the most. It's true. When you, you don't really realize how heavily male the art that you get shown in most museums is, you know, not just subject wise, but also like, you know, the painters. And it's kind of amazing because the image that's on most of the Ateneum stuff promoting Ateneum, the flyers and the like banners we saw, the picture that they showed was a painting by Helene Scherfbeck. I'm sorry if I'm butchering her Finnish name, <laughs> but it's a painting of a woman by a woman. And it's a very conscious choice, I think, because they just respect women in their society. Finland was a vibe, you guys. And I we came back and it really, we did feel changed. So I hope this episode has been a little glimpse into like the possibilities that feminism provides. And you got to stay tuned because in an upcoming episode, we're actually going to explore the flip side, right? Yeah. What, what does that mean for masculinity in a super feminist society? Yeah. What role do men play? How do they identify themselves? What they do in dating situations? So definitely stay tuned for that. 
This Helsinki series is sponsored by My Helsinki Residents. Huge thanks to Helsinki Marketing and the City of Helsinki and Elizabeth Rundloff for taking such good care of us. Check out myhelsinki.fi for more information to help you plan your own trip. And thanks so much to the real live actual Finns who generously lent us their voices and stories. Okay, so I'm Pirjo and I'm the producer at Ivana Helsinki, which is a pioneer Finnish art fashion film house. My name is Caroline Suna. I'm uh, art director of Ruskettet Media here in Finland and also a podcast host. My name is Elisabeth Rundlöf and what I do, I, I work as a project manager basically. Um, I'm responsible for our influencer and freelance journalist kind of uh, relationship. So I'm Emma Lumme. I'm a producer, like event producer, but I used to produce also TV and some movies. My name is Minna Parikka, and I'm a shoe designer based in Helsinki, Finland. Well, my name is Crystal Snow. I'm a singer, writer, actor, director. I like the word comedian. Uh, I'm a TV and a radio presenter. Sophia, what's this amazing music? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It is by our incredible friend, Amy Roche. You have to find her on Spotify. Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H. That's right. And this episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We, we love, love you, Mike. <laughs> if you like the episode or you're feeling generous, please leave us five stars and a sweet review on iTunes. Yeah, and if you send us a screenshot of your review, we will send you a super cute Private Parts Unknown button. And if you didn't like us... You're out of luck, Sonny. <laughs> What an adorable old-timey non-threat, you guys. <laughs> Follow us on Private Parts Unknown to see some great pictures from our trips. And our first newsletter is coming out next week, so sign up on the website, privatepartsunknown.com. See you next Wednesday. And the Wednesday after that. And the Wednesday.